It was the winter of 1914. The German soldiers were living in their trenches during the first Christmas of a war that would become one of the most hostile wars that the world ever had known, the First World War. And despite the pain of cold and wind and rain and bad weather, and despite the barbed wire and the landmines and machine guns and the poison gas, the German army began to do something that would become something special. They would begin to decorate their trenches with Christmas trees, evenly cut trees, a handful of candles, and the German soldiers would begin to do what millions in their nation had done for years on December the 24th and begin to celebrate the coming of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, just a few hundred feet away was the opposing army of the French and the English soldiers, And they started hearing the singing from the German soldiers who were only a few hundred feet away in their trenches. And the Allied forces became so overcome with joy at the the sound of these Christmas carols being sung. Upon hearing the German soldiers singing these Christmas carols of Silent Night, they too began to long for easier days. And what started first as kind of a friendly competition of who could sing the loudest, these two opposing armies in the middle of a war began singing Silent Night in their own native languages together in the midst of this trench warfare. It was amazing that even in the midst of war, that the king of peace could bring peace even if it was only for a few moments, and a few hours. We as mankind have a tendency and have a way of destroying what God has created, don't we? Last week, we began to turn our hearts and our minds towards Christmas. And what I said last week is that I really wanted us to to focus on why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. We celebrate Christmas because the King of Kings was coming. Last week, we looked at why the king had to come in the first place. And we said it was because of our sin that the king had to come. Well, this morning, I want us to see what King Jesus came to bring. We've already been singing about it this morning. But our King Jesus came to bring peace. And we start to get a glimpse of it. In another promise that God made in the Old Testament about the coming king, and it's a verse of scripture that Taylor has already read, but I want us to look at it again in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Isaiah writes and says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of peace. At the time of Jesus' birth, the Israelites, they were looking for and longing for a conquering king, someone who would come and set them free from their uh, oppressive uh, government of the Romans, their Roman oppressors. But what they ended up getting was not this king riding in on a white horse, But what they got 
was what they needed most, a prince of peace. What they needed was one who would come and would bring peace, not only between them and other people, but one who would come and bring peace between them and God. A king who would bring peace and co- by conquering sin and death, who would restore the peace that you and I have broken because of our sin. Isaiah was pointing them to it. But Israel, many of them, didn't have ears to hear or eyes to see the truth of it. They're the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace was coming. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to Luke chapter 1 as we continue to look at how the king of peace came. Luke is uh, the third book of the New Testament. It's on the right side of your Bible if you're looking for it. And we're going to be there in Luke chapter 1, verse 30. We'll have it up here on the screen as well. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. We have some on the back table. Please take one as a gift from us to you. Luke chapter 1, verse 30 is where we're going to be. God, after 400 years of silence, sends an angel, Gabriel, to the town of Nazareth, to a young woman who was pledged to be married to a guy named Joseph. Maybe you've heard the story. Well, understandably, Mary, this young woman, was disturbed, not only because an angel had come to visit her, but because of the message that he was bringing. Now, if you have read through your Bible, you'll notice that every time that somebody has an interaction with an angel, it's not some little baby with wings. It's all cute and cuddly. It's a terrified, fall-on-your-face type of experience, okay? And, And most of the time, the angels will say, hey, don't be afraid. I'm bringing good news, right? Or they won't say anything because they are bringing terror, okay? It's a terrifying event that takes place. And so Mary is disturbed, not only because there's an angel in her home, but also the message that he is bringing to her, a message that brought uh, the disturbed Mary. He says, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. Now this disturbed Mary because she thought, who am I that God is with me? and that I would be highly favored. And so the angel continues his message in verse 30, and he says, do not be afraid, right? Remember trembling, fear, falling on your face in front of an angel, okay? Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, And he will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. Gabriel tells Mary that she will give birth to a son and that they are to give him the name Jesus and that he would be called son of the most high, that he would be the king in the line of David. If you remember last week, as we looked at some of those promises that God had made David, he will reign not just for one lifetime, but he will reign forever. His kingdom that he will establish will never come to an end. 
So Joseph takes Mary, his soon-to-be wife, with child to the city of Bethlehem to register for a census that was issued. And as the three of them, as they get there to Bethlehem, Mary gives birth to Jesus. They place Jesus, the king of kings, in an animal feeding trough because there wasn't room available for them there in the town. And then the angel comes Again, not to Mary, not to Joseph, but comes to bring the message about the king being born. But the angel doesn't take the message to the usual suspects that we would think. Not to the religious leaders or even to the kings and the royal officials. No, the angel goes to this rough group of shepherds who were in fields watching their flocks nearby. And they bring a message that would change the world for all eternity. And look over at chapter 2 of Luke in verse 10. Here's the angel's message to them. Again, we see this. Do not be afraid. Remember, people experiencing an angel, it's a terrifying experience. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appear with the angel, praising God, saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. What? Peace to those whom his favor rests. To you, a savior has been born. To you, the Messiah has been born. The Lord, the King has been born in the town of kings. And now are on earth peace and to God glory in the highest. The angels announce to these shepherds, these untrustworthy, rough group of shepherds, the greatest news of all. The King of peace had been born, that the Savior had been born, and that he would bring peace on earth. Friends, Jesus came to restore peace. Isaiah was pointing us to it. The angels were announcing it to the shepherds. But Jesus came to restore what we have broken. And to see the beginning of this need for peace being restored, we have to go back to where we went last week, into the garden, to see our need for peace. Because sin, as we said last week, not only is our rebelling against the king of kings, against God, but sin also destroys peace. You see, before sin entered the picture, Adam and Eve, they would walk with God in the garden. And they would talk with God face to face in the garden. But after they sinned and rebelled against God's commands, what we see happen is we see peace with God destroyed. In fact, they hear the Lord coming and walking in the garden. And instead of being excited and going out and talking with him and walking with them, they go and they hide themselves out of shame. Because their sin had destroyed that peace 
between them and God. They run and hide from God. And yet, God still came looking for them. An image to what he would continue to do, not only for Israel, but what he has done for us as well through his son Jesus. That even though we are the ones who have destroyed our relationship with God, he still comes looking for us. In fact, invading earth in the form of a baby who would become a man who would sacrifice himself for us. Sin has broken our peace with God. But not only has it broken our peace with God, but it also breaks our relationships with others. What's the very next thing when God begins to confront Adam and Eve with their sin that they start doing? What what, what does Adam start doing? God is that woman that you put here with me. They start blaming each other. And the woman says, no, no, it's, it's a serpent. He deceived me. They start casting blame from other people. Adam and Eve's first response to sin wasn't regret or repentance. It's blame. God, it's this woman you put here with me. No, it's this serpent who deceived me. And friends, it's easy for us to look at Adam and Eve and say, how in the world could they not just own up to what they had done and start confessing their sin to God and say, yes, God, we've messed up. We are sorry. We are repented. But we do the same thing. Because sin breaks our peace with God and it breaks our peace with each other. We sin, we rebel against the king, against God, and it breaks our relationship with him and it breaks our relationship with each other. It breaks our peace with God and it breaks our peace with others. But Jesus came to restore both. Jesus came to restore peace between us and God and to restore peace between us and each other. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you and my peace I give you. Jesus is the king of peace because he has restored peace with us and God and us and each other. Fast forward to after the church has started, the book of Acts happened and There's a church in a a city called Ephesus. And there in the city of Ephesus, there was in the church, there was this great divide that was happening over race. There were people who were followers of Jesus who were Jewish by birth and nationality, and there were people who weren't. There was this division that was taking place in the church. They were dividing themselves over race. And so Paul writes to them to remind them of how Jesus has died and risen from the dead to restore their peace with each other, to bring these two separate groups into one, to tear down all of the dividing walls that they had put up. And he writes these words to remind them in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Paul says, remember, that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, a foreigner uh, to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. Remind you of some of the songs we sang? 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups into one, who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside the flesh, the law, by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and its regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which we put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away, and in peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Friends, Jesus is the king of peace. He came and he preached peace to those of us who were far away, those who were Gentiles, not Jewish by birth, not God's chosen people in the Old Testament. We who were far away, he preached peace and he preached peace to those who were near. Jesus is our peace. He takes us who are divided and he makes us one. We were without hope. We were without God in the world. But through the blood of Jesus, we have been restored. The ground in front of the cross is level. We are all sinners Need of saving. Jesus not only saves us, but he restores our peace with each other. Friends, we divide ourselves over so many things. Whether it's because like Adam and Eve, we are pointing our fingers and casting blame at each other. It's her fault, it's his fault. Or it's because of race that we divide ourselves or interests or whatever. Some of us even have division in our own family with our cousins and our neighbors and our co-workers. But through Jesus, we can have our relationships restored. We can have our relationships mended. Jesus brings us who should have nothing in common and makes us one body. He makes us the church. He restores our peace with each other that we have broken because of our sin. And I know for some of you that these holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas, they, they tend to remind you of the division that's placed in your relationships. They remind you of, of, of the brokenness that is there, maybe because of ex-spouses or maybe even with your children or with your parents or maybe with your brothers or your sisters. Maybe there's division in your, with your neighbors or your former friends or your coworkers. But friends, if anyone can come and restore what we have broken, it's the king of all peace. It's Jesus who takes the two and makes one. Who takes us that are divided for whatever reasons we divide ourselves over. And he brings us together as his people. Because of his blood that he poured out for us. Jesus is our peace. 
Now, friends, that may mean, though, that you have to forgive. That may mean that you have to ask for forgiveness. Now, I've said this many times before, and I'll continue to say it. You cannot control anyone else but the person in your mirror. So you can't control whether somebody will accept your repentance or whether or not somebody will repent when you forgive them. But as Paul tells us in Romans, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. Do your part because Jesus is your peace. Come together because of the blood of Jesus. Forgive as you have been forgiven, not as they deserve, but as you have been forgiven by Jesus. If you've sinned against others, go to them and do your part to make it right. Jesus is the king of peace because he restores our peace with each other. But he only can restore our peace with each other when he's first restored our peace with God. Paul, in his book to Romans, in the book of the Romans, he lays out in the first couple of chapters our need for saving. We looked at some of those verses last week, right? We said that we all have sinned and fall short of God's expectations, his glory. And we said all of us means you because all of us means me, right? All of us have sinned. Each and every one of us have sinned. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, we all have sinned and we all need to be saved. Well, in chapter 5 of Romans, Paul begins to turn to point us to our Savior, to point us to the only Savior that we need, the King of Peace, Jesus. And he says these words in verse 1 of Romans 5. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out onto us, into us, into our hearts, excuse me, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Friends, Jesus is the king of peace because he has come to restore our peace with God. We gain access by faith into God's grace through Jesus Christ. Jesus brings us hope. Jesus brings us peace. It is because and through the sacrifice of Jesus that we can now have peace with God once again. It's not anything that we have done on our own, but it's what Jesus, the King of Peace, has done on our behalf. 
You see, at the culmination of the ages, at just the right time, as Paul says here, even though you and I were powerless, ungodly sinners, enemies, as he will say in the next couple of verses, of God, Jesus died for us. Friends, we can be made just as if we never sinned, justified to God. We can have peace with God by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, by putting our trust in Jesus, the King of peace. When we turn away from our sins, repent of our sins, and then as Paul will tell us in the next chapter, by joining Jesus and being buried with him, putting to death sin, and being raised to a new life when we join Jesus in baptism. Jesus restores our peace with God. It is through his blood, through his sacrifice, and through his resurrection that we can be restored to God. Jesus restores our peace with God when we believe and repent and are baptized. And friends, maybe today you have been at war with God. Maybe your peace with God has been destroyed. So won't you come today and have your peace with God restored? But it only can be restored through the King of Peace, Jesus himself. He has died and risen from the dead to restore your peace with God. So won't you come today and put your trust in him? I'm gonna be out in the lobby. I'd love to talk with you today. But maybe today your war isn't with God, but it's with somebody else. Maybe your peace still hasn't been restored with others. Let me challenge you today to put down your bullets and allow Jesus to bring peace and restore your relationships with others. Let me challenge you to forgive, even when they don't deserve it. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Let me challenge you to ask for forgiveness for the wrong that you've done. I want to carry you back to that Christmas night in 1914 in the trenches. Because what happened next, besides the singing, was unprecedented in the history of war. You see, it didn't stop with just these soldiers on two different sides singing Silent Night together. But in fact, in many of the fronts, they disobeyed direct orders. Their orders were to find the enemy and destroy them. But this night, because of the king of peace, these soldiers would lay down their arms and they would come to no man's land and begin to put down their bullets and exchange them for handshakes. And they would exchange gifts that night because of the king of peace, Jesus They'd give gifts of jam and chocolate and just the other things that they had with them. And in one area, the men even engaged in a friendly game of soccer, using their rifles for the, the stands of goals. And for just a few hours, and the, the, one of the most horrific wars that our world has seen, because of the king of peace, peace was brought. Now, only if it could have stayed like it was that night. Jesus is the king of peace because he restores peace between us and God and he restores peace between us and others, but not just for a few hours. He restores peace 
for eternity. But the question that you must answer today, that no one else can answer for you, is do you have peace with God? If not, come and find it in the King of Peace. Will you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for your son coming as a babe laying in a manger. We thank you that you came and you brought the message not to the royal officials or to the religious leaders, but to a rough group of of shepherds, a group probably much like ourselves. And you share with them the good news that would change the world for all eternity, that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father had been born. A Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, on earth, peace. And to you, glory. Father, We continue the same track record that our brothers and sisters and all of humanity has gone before us. And we destroy our peace with you and we destroy our peace with each other. But Father, we thank you that you have come to restore what we have broken. Father, if there are those of us who are here this morning who have not restored our peace with you through your son, Jesus, would you bring them to you today? Would you lead them to you today? And if there are those of us who have have broken relationships with others, Father, would you convict us and move us to action to, to allow you to restore peace in our relationships with each other? Would you help us by giving us the wisdom and the strength to do what we can do, that as far as it depends on us, to live at peace with others. We thank you that through your son Jesus, we can be restored to peace once again. Father, we long for that day when the effects of sin and death that are around us will be no more. And that we too will walk and talk with you face to face. We long for our peace with you to be restored fully. And we thank you that you have made a way for us through your son Jesus. And we ask all this in his precious name. Amen.